Or whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith in God overcomes the world. Our faith in flesh holds us in bondage. Who the Spirit has set free is free indeed. Get your flesh off of the throne and let your faith in God rule over you and experience the victory in every area. Somebody got happy right there. In every area of your life. All right. We're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 3. Let's pray. Father, here we are. You called us name by name. You've disrupted some things in our life that we may see you above all things. Lord, we want to thank you right now for everything that has happened and that is happening. But we know, Lord, that all of it is working together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you for calling us. And now that we're here, Lord, speak to us. Give us an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. We declare that we are the church. So have your way. Come and speak to our hearts. And Father, I ask that you would consecrate me as only you can. That I may be fit to be used as a vessel. And that after all is said and done, that you, Father, alone will be glorified. And we, your body, will be edified. Thank you, God, for loving us enough to get us here to hear from you. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer. And all that are in agreement, shout amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. amen. Paul, Paul writes, he writes to Timothy in this very first letter. Beginning at verse number three. I'm going to begin at two. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, 
grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause dispute rather than godly edification which is in the faith. He says, he says to him, he said, get mature so that you don't allow a whole bunch of nonsense to start disputes in the house of God. But rather that there would be edification in the faith. Amen. All right, so don't let nobody pull you out of the church with nonsense. Don't argue with them because you can't argue God. All right? All right, verse number five. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart from a good conscience and from sincere faith from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they confirm. But if we know that the law is good, if if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for the unholy and for profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for the fornicators, for the sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to the sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul says, look, let's just get this straight. For God's people, there's grace. We are under this law of grace. And there is a law for those who are doing ungodly stuff. Okay? There is a law for that. But we are under this dispensation called grace, which means grace, God's grace has more power than the law. It can go in and help people get free from the law and deliver them unto grace. How many of you have been delivered? Okay? You have to understand What he's saying is God brought you out. Now he's going to use you to help others come out. All right. So he's saying don't get in disputes and argue with folks about what they do wrong. Because our faith can bring them out of wrong. Amen. All right. So let's go. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Now, Paul's talking about himself, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a prosecutor, a persecutor and an insolent man. But 
I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorant, did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. How many of you got that abundant grace? Now he says, was exceedingly abundant. The grace was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is the faithful saying and a worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save holy people. Sinners. Whom of whom I am chief, says Paul. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to what? Believe on him for everlasting life. Wow. He says we may have to go through some stuff to prove long suffering to others who don't believe that they might become believers based on you suffering through what you went through and God raising you up out of it. Wow. He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Look back at verse five, three things. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love with a pure heart. Number one. From a good conscience, number two, and from sincere faith. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Sincere faith. We talked about great faith. We talked about strong faith. Today, we're going to talk about sincere faith. That means you're going to have to keep it real. Tell your neighbor, keep it real. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The writer, the writer Paul, he, he begins to talk to Timothy because Timothy is chosen um, as an ambassador for Christ, just as we were to share the gospel. He's reminding Timothy that you're going to be dealing with people. And there are, everybody who comes to church does not have the same agenda. Some people come to church so the hell could get out of them, and some people come to church to raise hell. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Say, keep it real. So Paul Paul talks about uh, these two Um, that were causing a lot of trouble and division in the church at Ephesus. And he's reminding Timothy, I I told you to stay there because that is the mature church. And even in the mature church, there were those that were there that would try to bring up old wise fables. In other words, what they were doing was trying to set an agenda so that they could be looked at as high and mighty. 
so often that is a spirit of a Pharisee. And so often um, when you get caught up in flesh, you think it's about you. Thereby, people come into the church and if it's not about them, they will try to cause division in the church and make it about them by talking about somebody else's stuff. So he reminds he reminds Timothy of this spiritual warfare that even takes place in the church. The good news is by faith. We overcome and have victory over spiritual warfare. We've already won the war. I want to talk to the victorious ones that know they won. I'm even going to talk to the defeated ones who are still stuck because you're going to win before you leave today. Paul, Paul writes and he, he tells us there's three, three components uh, about this sincere faith. First, he says, you're going to have to love from a pure heart. You're going to have to have a good conscience. And then he says this sincere faith. Um, one of the things that we have to understand is that when when Paul Paul uses himself as a reference point, he he says where he has come from, and he also says that he is a chief sinner who was saved through grace with faith, and he didn't stop there. He said faith and love. Meaning that when God gave you his grace, he also gave you his faith and he also gave you his love. I said he gave you his grace, his faith, and his love. Thereby, you should no longer operate according to your faith, your grace, and your love. Because by nature, we only want to give grace to who we feel like giving grace to. By nature, we judge who we think deserves grace. And even by nature, we would probably say a murderer doesn't deserve as much grace as somebody who just stole something. But God's way, a murderer deserves more grace because there's a greater deliverance that's necessary for someone with such an evil that's dwelling in their heart. Thereby, we find ourselves as these many judges and we will judge people according to what we feel they should be judged by. When we do that, we are judging them by our own conscience instead of a God conscience. The Bible speaks of a good conscience, but the, but I have to apply the whole word because Jesus said there is nobody good except for God. And if nobody is good except for God, it is no longer a good conscience, but a God conscience. Thereby, our conscience has to be changed by God. God is so awesome and loves us so much that he did a change. The problem is we haven't embraced the change. We embrace what we like and operate where we want to operate instead of em embracing the full change. The, the full change takes the whole body. When Christ came into you, he became owner of all of you. Not some of you and not some time. God is a God uh, that is whole. So when he sent his spirit into you, he purchased the whole you. 
By the blood of Christ, you no longer belong to you. Thereby, you have been thieving against God by stealing your way instead of allowing him to have his way. You have to understand that we are thieves by nature. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't go in the store and steal doesn't mean that you don't steal. But by nature, without even knowing, when we allow our will to trump God's will, we have stolen from him. Because he owns us now and we do not own ourselves. And God tells us to forgive somebody and we don't want to forgive them. Thereby, we are stealing from God. Actually, we are even punishing ourselves because when you disobey God, it puts you subject to being in bondage to yourself. So Paul, Paul is teaching us some pivotal points here so that we can have what's called sincere faith because sincere faith is not about you. Your faith is in God and in God alone. If you really trust and believe God, then your faith would be in God and not in you. But we wrestle, we wrestle with so many things in life because we have been through life experiences. And I'm just going to tell the truth. We've been through some ups and downs, some hurts, some disappointments, some things that have happened to some loving people that should not have happened to you. And we are bruised by our past, but our past does not own us. You have to understand that you are not owned by your past and your past is exactly what it is, your past. It is a conscious thing that you reach back and allow your past to have a hold of you. But God is giving you what's called a a new measure of faith so that your past can no longer hold you locked up in what used to be. You can experience God right now and live in the victory that he has promised you when he saved you. God didn't save you. So that you could be defeated. He came that you would have life and that you would have life more abundantly. Now, before he says that, he says the thief cometh to kill, the steal and the destroy. So everything that happened in your life that was negative, that was the enemy coming to kill, to steal and destroy your future. But Jesus came along and uprooted everything that the enemy has done. And whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. If you allow Jesus to be your Lord, then you can experience victory right here and right now and pronounce benediction on your past and have you a good time for the rest of your life. Shall I believe? And so Paul, he... He's one of, of faith because, because Paul... Paul had a past and he was not ashamed to say I was this in my past. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor and I was an insolent man. I was raised in hell. Paul said I was doing it all but God. He said mercy came upon me. And I was considered the chief sinner, but mercy came my way. Has there anybody been in here that needed God's mercy based on something you did wrong? 
So you know and understand what mercy looks like. And if God's mercy and grace wouldn't have found you, there's no telling where you would be. But God was faithful that no matter where you went, no matter what you said and no matter what you did, he stayed with you until he rescued you. And by faith, you believed that it was him. And he pulled you out of darkness, brought you into his marvelous light so that you could proclaim his goodness. But there's a problem because we keep getting reminded of what happened before. We, we hang out with the friends we used to hang out with. They remind us. We come to church. The church reminds us. And we are complexed over what happened. And what happened does not own you. But because you are hearing what happened, you are allowing it to cause you to enter into these demonic realms, which I call fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. And all of this stuff is contrary to faith. That's why God is going to do something new today. He's going to teach you how to get into sincere faith. So, so Paul, Paul, he, he's teaching and he wants them to know, first of all, I can't, I can't look at nobody else's stuff because God, the immortal, eternal God, we can't see him, but I know who he is. He rescued me and changed me. And the same God that rescued me and changed me will rescue you and change you. And he doesn't stop until he gets the finished product. He says, I, he's, he's the potter and we're the clay. And the potter, he has his clay on the wheel. Well, one thing about the potter, he don't take his hands off the clay. And when the clay it looks like it's all together, he'll test the clay. And sometimes there'll be a little bit of mar on the clay. And see, if you take it off, even though it looks good, and you put it in the oven, if that mar wasn't worked out, it's going to break inside of the oven. So the potter says, I got to keep you on the wheel. And you trying to get off the wheel because you figure you got it all together because it looks good so far. And you're wondering why the wheel keeps on spinning. And it seems like life is getting you dizzy. But God's hand don't come off of you until he finished making the product. And you might look good to some. And they start telling you how good you are. That you might want to get off the wheel. But that's when God really starts speeding up the wheel. Because God's going to keep you on the wheel until he finished working everything out of you. And there's some stuff you might not know is in you, but God is sending his word today to get it out of you. And you might seem like whatever's going on is getting you dizzy, but that's just God spinning up the wheel just a little bit faster so that he could get the things out of you that you don't know are left into you. Somebody say, but God. He has 
this system. And he, he calls it faith. So he gives us this faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Wait, wait, wait. So faith is substance. Faith is tangible. Faith is real. The problem is what are you really hoping for? I was talking to another minister, and he was telling me, he said, man, I'm having the conversation with the believers. And I'm asking them, how's it going? And they're saying, oh, I'm going through this, and I'm I'm being attacked here, and, and this is going on, and this is going on. He says he had to stop and say, wait a minute. If I wasn't a believer, and I listened to you, I wouldn't want to be a believer. Because you don't have no hope. All you're talking about is your trouble. Wait a minute. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We have this treasure within earthen vessels. Colossians 1.27 said that that is the hope of glory dwelling inside of you. So then, how is it that we have hope? And if we have hope, why do we talk about what we see? If we're hoping to get to all God has for us, Why do we focus on the trouble that we're dealing with that's really ushering us to what we need? We complain about the very thing that's bringing us closer to God because God allows things to happen in our life so that he could prove that he's bigger and greater than it. He will cause you to get in a situation where you can't provide for yourself so he can open up a door for you and prove that he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. But you think because you got an education and two or three people are rooting for you that you ought to have it laid out on a silver platter. I'm going to give you some breaking news. He don't work that way. The race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but it's given to the ones who will endure to the end. What are you saying, brother? Look out to your end and have hope in your end result. What is the hope? 
that Jesus is going to work it all out for us because he came that I would have abundant life and right now it don't look abundant so I'm going to look out into my hope into my faith and see abundance and I can have it through faith what do you see what do you see we try to see it with our eyes too much and every time something go wrong with our eyes, we want to run. I'm running. How about if every time you did wrong, everybody ran from you? You wouldn't have nobody around you right about now. But every time something happened wrong, we'd be gone. Ready to, oh, and then, and then you run and talk about it. What they did. And that's cool. But look, let, let, let's deal with this faith thing. Faith is the substance of your hope. I, I, I want to ask you, is your hope in you or is your hope in God? Now, if God loves you, that he gave you a deposit, which is Christ entering you, to change you from dead to alive, then your faith should be in God. Your hope should be in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you hope in Jesus? Now, last time I checked, Jesus can open up blind eyes. Last time I checked, Jesus can make the dumb talk. Last time I checked, Jesus could raise folks from the dead that had been dead for four days. Last time I checked, Jesus could walk on water. This is the Jesus that dwells in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got to focus on Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. Who's the answer to your problem? Who knows it all? Who's working it out for you? Who's your victory? That name. That's where your hope is. Jesus is raw. Jesus is so awesome. Man, folks got hungry. He took a can of sardine and a loaf of bread, two pieces of bread. And fed 15,000 folks. He's a provider. Now that's where my hope is. My hope is not in man. My hope is in him. He can work it out. He's working it out. He has worked it out. Listen, Jesus is working it out. Will work it out. And has worked it out. At the same time. That's how wrong he is. He's everything you need him to be. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. That's where your faith is. In Jesus. Not in man. And not in flesh. We have, listen, our faith is the substance of hope. Close your eyes for a minute. What are you hoping for? 
and, and I'm, I know, I know, my, I know my, my oldest daughter, she just graduated from school and she's hoping for good employment. See, that's one thing to hope that somebody hire you is another thing to hope that Jesus provides a way. Now she won't dictate how it needs to be done. She just knows that it's going to be done. See, when you hope in Christ, you don't have to try to figure it out. You just put your hope in him and let him work it out. Now open your eyes and give him a praise for working it out. Because no longer are you focused on where you are. That's the thing. Now, now believers, are, you, you ought to be bragging on God. God will give you trouble to see what you do with it. If you give it back to him, you've done the right thing. The trouble isn't meant to consume you. It's meant to grow you. Grow you where? In a deeper relationship with him. He is transforming you from one area to a whole nother area that's working on your behalf. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I really want you to get this faith thing because it's the substance of your hope. So if you're hoping, whatever you're hoping for, start talking about that. And quit talking about what's current that God is using you to get to your hope. Because if you didn't have a hopeless situation, you wouldn't have nothing to hope for. Ah. So God allows situation so that he could develop a hope in you and your hope is in Christ Jesus. And when you hope on that, he does exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever think. I had a brother that was talking to me. He said, man, pastor, pray for me. He said, because I interviewed for a job. He said, pray for me. I said, well, if you interview for the job, I don't got to pray for you. I already prayed for you. I already prayed that God holds you on lockdown. And so far, I've seen him on lockdown. And I told him, God's going to do more than what you were interviewing for. He told me today that he got a call from another place that hired him and he didn't even interview for the job. But that's what God will do. How many know that when you just put your trust in God, God will work it all out for you. Now, he says, also, is back up there, the evidence. Faith is the substance of what? So, say, I'm going to hope in Jesus. All right? No more figuring, because figuring don't work. Faith in Jesus works. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and what? The evidence of things not seen. Well, wait a minute. I was told that when you, you need evidence that you see so that you can prove your case. But faith doesn't work like the world system. We cannot use our mind to try to figure things out. That is not the evidence that God works through. Faith, now the things hope and the evidence of things not seen. How many of you believe that there's a God? Have you seen him? No, but you know he's real. How do you know? Because I got faith that I didn't even know I had before. And when you activate the faith, that is your evidence. 
How? See, now here's the thing. Here's your evidence. You don't see it, but you believe it to be. You don't see your child delivered, but you just believe that they're delivered. You don't see your employment. You just believe to be employed. Now, if that's the evidence that you believe it to be, how many of you ready to bleed yourself out of the situation that's been bothering you? See, only a few of you? I'm talking about getting our faith together up in here. Now, you might have it together in this area, and I might have it together in that area, and he may have it together in the other area. But if all three of us join our faith together, we can have it popping in all the areas. If you just allow God to do what he does and hook up with the believers who will believe no matter what the situation looks like, that's what faith is. That's some evidence. But, 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 I said, okay, that's what faith is. But, what, let me look at the word faith. Well, I looked it up in the Greek. It comes from a word called pitis, and it means convicted, conviction of the truth of God or truthfulness of God, reliance upon Christ. For salvation, faith is a system of the gospel, the assurance or knowing of your belief. That's what faith is. So Paul says the first thing in order to really activate sincere faith is a heart thing. So he said we're going to need a pure heart. Put Psalm 51 on the board. So David says to the Lord, because his faith is in God, create in me. Is that Psalm 51? No. 51 and 10. He says, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit. This is going to take God having access to your heart. You give all kind of folks access to your heart. And they broke it. Therefore, you need God to create in you a clean heart. Because when you get broken, you don't function right. You have judgments and you hold you hold guilt and you hold remorse and you hold all these things in your heart and you need God's help because you've gone through some stuff. How many of you have been through a few things in your life? Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. You need God to create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit in you so that your faith can work through a clean heart and not a heart that's been tarnished by man. 
The reason why we can't be sincere is because we trusted in man too many times and now we are allowing our minds to think through stuff instead of allowing God to clean up our heart so that we could function in faith and believe those things that don't look like they're supposed to happen that will happen. Matthew, Matthew said it this way, he said, blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you can't see God in your situation because he hasn't cleaned your heart right. So we need to give God our whole heart. And if you're still harboring something against somebody, that means he doesn't have your whole heart. But if you give God access to, to the whole you, He'll go in and clean up parts of you that you didn't know need to be cleaned up because that's his goal so that his faith can flow through your heart so that it will be sincere. When you believe God, your belief will be sincere. Some of our beliefs are based on what we saw happen last time. But I'm, I'm so, listen, you got to be so dogmatic in your faith that you got to believe him what's going to happen this time. He will do greater things this time. God's going to do more for you this time. Is there anybody who's ready to operate in this time? Say, this time, God. This time, God. This time. Second thing he said that we're going to have to give him access to our mind so we could have a God conscious speaking to the mind. So if you keep thinking it's not going to happen, you will talk about it not happening. As long as you talk about it not happening, you are not allowing God to make it happen. You have blocked the channel. You are like a beaver, have clogged the dam, and now it can't flow because you've clogged the dam with too many sticks of doubt. And every time you speak against your hope, you hold it from being activated. Man. I hope you're getting it like it's coming in. Because I, I really want you to have all God has for you. Somebody shout victory. victory. Listen, God, is, God says, listen, just tell my people that if they just sincerely ask me, I'll give them whatever they ask for. If they just be sincere about it. See, don't come to God. To say, and God see, God knows your whole heart. He knows the ones who come to church and just sit there. And, and listen, and, and you don't really believe God, but you'll sit there and, and get a feel-good spirit and, say, and go home and say, oh, church was so good. And then they say, well, what was church about? What was the word? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> See, God knows the difference. Because there are some right now, that their faith is being activated like never before. You're being changed right now because you are desperate for God to do something in your life. There's situations right now that you know only God can make a way. And if you believe that God made a way for all these other men in the Bible, he is no respecter of person. He's waiting for you to be sincere about believing him. If you can be sincere about believing God, you give him access to perform in your life. Is we need a God conscious. 
Philippians 2 and 5. We need to go say, God, give me your conscience. In other words, God, take over my mind. Some of you sitting in church waiting, well, is it one yet? Because you've already planned on what restaurant you're going to. <laughs> that you can't even get the word because you're too busy smelling the food that ain't cooked yet. <laughs> and truth be told, God is so raw, he'll shut the restaurant down right when you get ready to walk. God is raw. <laughs> say, say, say my mind. God, give me your mind. God, give me your mind. God, give me your mind, because I know if I have your mind, I can sit right there and get your word, and I want more of your word. Put this mind, let this mind be in you. In other words, you have to give it access for God to take control of your mind. Stop worrying about what you're going to wear to the beach, how cute you're going to look next week, what you're going to buy at the shopping mall, and how work is going to be. You might not even get to work. You might not even get out of here. Why don't we just praise him and thank him that we have a moment to praise, oh God. A new mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Now get this. Now what Christ Jesus mind this is going to help a few of you. With Christ Jesus' mind, it is no longer about you. When Christ came, he didn't come for glory. When Christ came, he came that God would be glorified. How was God going to be glorified except for he introduced God to people? When you take on the mind of Christ, you understand that your problem it's not about you. Your trial is not about you. Your suffering is not about you. Paul said, I went through all of this so that others would come to know who Jesus was through my suffering. Through your suffering, people are watching you. And because you got up and made it to church, even though you didn't feel like making it to church, somebody will be encouraged by your life and say, I'm watching you go through all that you go. How do you do it? I was sitting in my office getting ready to come in and I, got, I received a text. I normally don't look at my phone. The Lord said, pick up your phone. I picked up the phone. It was one of my cousins who hadn't talked to me in a while. And that's cool, because even though she don't talk to me, I still pray. And she sent me a text. She said, I was thinking about you as I'm sitting here in the hospital. And my daughter is so sick. And I used to see you in the hospital. And people would come to see you when your daughter was sick. And you were always smiling, even though the doctor was poking your daughter. She's writing all this. She said, and now my daughter is being poked with all these needles. And I don't know what the outcome is. But I keep remembering that you always had a smile on your face. You always had something good to say. And that you always believed that God was going to make a way. 
And today, that's what I believe, that God's going to make a way. I told you, if your suffering is not about you, it's about somebody who's coming after you so that God can use you to be a witness of his power and his glory. The third thing, and we're going to go home, the third thing, the third thing says we need a sincere faith. So if God takes care of your heart and he takes care of your mind, you'll be led into what's called sincere faith, which means that you'll deny you and take up him. When you have sincere faith, it's not about trying to come to church and act like you got it together because the church has been guilty of keeping all they sin hidden because they're afraid that if they tell somebody, they'll be the only one. But everybody in here, if you're not in sin, you one step away and the other foot's on a banana peel. And if God takes his hand off of you, you're going to sin. And so there's this woman in the Bible with sincere faith. In, in Matthew chapter number nine, around verse 20, there's a woman who has an issue. The Bible says an issue of blood, but she had sincere faith because sincere faith will make you keep believing God, even though it don't happen. She had went to every doctor that there was, spent all of her money trying to get healed. I could see if she gave up because 12 years is a long time to wait. Most of us don't want to wait 12 days. If God don't give us what we need in 12 days, we start complaining and stop believing because it didn't work when you wanted it to work. But it's not up to you. Get your mind out of it. God loves him some you. And when you believe that God loves you, then you'll believe he's going to work everything out for your good because you love him and he loves you. This woman was sick and she had been to every doctor, but she heard that Jesus was coming. The Bible says that someone else stopped Jesus and said, come to my house. We need you there. And Jesus said, okay. And the people was all around. People everywhere. And the woman moved the crowd to get to the hope. See, we'll show up and if our seat, we don't get the right seat, we'll leave. We'll show up and if they ain't singing our, our song, we'll leave. Uh, uh, we'll, look, we'll wake up and make up an excuse not to get there. That's because our faith isn't sincere. But when your faith is sincere, you'll knock down hell's wall to get to Jesus. This woman crawled through the crowd. Can you imagine? 
being sick and crawling through. And I'm sure she bumped up against some big old burly men. And the men probably looked down and said, sister, I'm in front of you. You know how it is we get intimidated because the circumstances don't look right. This woman didn't care. She was sincere about being sick. Everybody knew she was sick. She wasn't trying to hide she was sick. And she got down on her knees and wore out 10 pair of pantyhose trying to get to Jesus. Didn't care how many holes was in her stocking. All she wanted was to get close to Jesus. Because hope was there. She didn't have no hope without Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how good you are. You don't have no hope without Jesus. If Jesus ain't in it, it's going to fail. And so if you're building anything, if Jesus is not the center of it, then I'm going to stay away from it because it's coming down. This woman, she was crawling through the crowd and she got there. The Bible says she had sincere faith and she touched the him. She didn't even touch him. She touched what he was wearing. The Bible said, Jesus stopped and said, who is it that touched me? And the disciples, they said, Jesus, you tripping, man. All these folks around you, everybody touching you. He said, no, power left me. I looked at the text. And there was a reason why the woman, when she touched him, the Bible says she was healed then. Let me tell you why. It wasn't the touch that healed her. Yeah, it was faith, but check this out. A lot of us keep saying we have faith, but we're still holding on to doubt, you're still holding on to unbelief, you have faith, and you're still holding on to the past thing that hurts you. Shout, let it go. The reason why the power was able to come in is because she let go of everything else. She gave access for the power to come in. We are blocking it with our own thoughts of what we think should have happened and how it should have happened and they should have never done this to me. Let it go. Let it all go and let God have full access. That woman let it go. And because she let it go, see, see, it might not, it might take some of us 12 years to let it go. But if you get this word to go today, you ought to let it go today. Because Jesus is here. And his garment is right before you. And he says, woman, your faith healed you. Wait, wait, wait. Your faith gave access to the power that was in Christ to be released in your life. When you believe God with a sincere faith, you give him access 
to do what he already promised he would do. The only reason why things have not happened in your life is because you're not letting stuff go. Shout, let it go. Close your eyes for one minute. How many of you are having a hard time with just letting the past go? Just be real with it. Be real with it. Father, in the name of Jesus, come now with your quickness. You said, behold, I come quickly and I will reward them. Lord, we are asking for you to come and help in the area of weakness and where your children are afraid to let it go. For whatever reason, Lord, it has consumed them. Or we're breaking that curse right here and right now. In the name of Jesus, let your blood flow that will give them strength. Let your strength be made perfect in their weakness, Lord, that they can let go of the past and serve you with sincere faith. Everybody that believed that prayer, give God a hand of praise. Listen, it's time to go. But you just got to be 